This is the Funville Nine, driven by AAA, the official podcast of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Here's your host, Trey Wilson. Hello and welcome to today's Flying Squirrels pregame conversation. Today you're actually going to get to hear parts of two different conversations. I got a chance to sit down with Wade Meckler after his walk-off hit against the Harrisburg Senators on Saturday night in the doubleheader. Uh, We caught up the next day. Blaine McCormick also caught up with Meckler a few days prior to that. So we kind of merged the two conversations together, give you a little bit of both of those two chats today. Saturday, game one of that doubleheader, that was a pretty historic game by Wade Meckler, five for five. He had four RBIs that tied a career high, and he ended up finishing with a walk-off hit. In the game, the Flying Squirrels were down five runs two separate times. Uh, They rallied back. Vaughn Brown tied the game with a home run, and then the game went to extras. Harrisburg went back in front 8-7, to and then Wade Meckler on the first pitch he saw drove a two-run single to give the Flying Squirrels a 9-8 to walk-off win. He had five hits in the game, went five for five. It's only happened a handful of times in Flying Squirrels history. Connor Gillespie and Nick Noonan both did it in 2010. And then Juan Perez did it twice. He did it in 2011 and 2012. Kelby Tomlinson did it in 2014. Random Reno in 2015. And then Austin Slater in 2016. After Austin Slater, it didn't happen again for six years until a game that a lot of you probably remember last May, May of 2022, when Tyler Fitzgerald and Jacob Hayward both had five hits in the same game against the Hartford Yard Goats. That game broke a ton of offensive records, uh, rewrote plenty of spots in the Flying Squirrels record book. And then earlier this year, Patrick Bailey had a 5-for-5 game in his brief run with the Flying Squirrels before an equally brief run with the Sacramento Rivercats. And now, of course, he's having quite a bit of success up in the major leagues with the San Francisco Giants. So for these conversations, uh, we talked about, with Wade Meckler, uh, we talked about his journey growing up, a little bit undersized, kind of catching back up to the rest of the kids in size, and uh, working his way through Oregon State, adjusting to professional baseball, and a whole lot more. Here are the conversations that Blaine McCormick and I had with Flying Squirrels outfielder Wade Meckler. Today, I'm getting a chance to sit down with Flying Squirrels outfielder Wade Meckler, who Saturday night game, one of the doubleheader, had a little bit of Flying Squirrels history with a five-hit game and also the fifth one, the biggest one of them all. Wade, let's start with the with the last inning, extra innings. Y'all were down by five runs twice. Had to come back. You played a part in that. But then you're trailing again in extras. You got two on. You're stepping in the box. What's going through your mind? Um, I honestly didn't think they were going to pitch to me there because, you know, I, I felt like, you know, bases loaded with one out. You get a force out at all the bases. Um, but they ended up throwing to me. Um, and going into that bat, I really thought they were going to give me something to hit. I was like, I'd right, be super selective here because they're probably not going to, you know, give you a, a good pitch to hit here. And then first pitch, the guy goes fast, right down the middle and put a good swing on it. Yeah, dumped it down into center field. Both runs score. It ends up being a 9-8 walk-off win after the, the, y'all were trailing by five runs at a couple of different points in that game. Uh, with the records resetting next week, the first half coming to a close, it seems like y'all are playing some good ball right now. And that one yesterday, there's some turning points in a season. That one felt like it could be. 
one of those. Guys got jacked up, uh, got the celebration out in the outfield, came back and took care of business in game two for the doubleheader sweep. Do you, you guys feel some positive momentum the way things have gone over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, definitely. I feel like this group's uh, really starting to gel. You know, it's always always moving parts on a minor league team, guys going up, guys going down. But, you know, we've had, a, a, since I've been here, a pretty good core of guys and, and good leadership and guys, you know, taking charge. And, yeah, I think the group's starting to gel and starting to play really good baseball. Five hits, that's only happened about 11 times. I think that was the 11th time it's happened in franchise history. Nobody's gotten six, so there's still there's still some dangling out there. Patrick Bailey did it earlier this year. Uh, you go back over the years, Kelby Tomlinson and Austin Slater and some guys who've gone on to some some uh, great careers but for you five hits I mean you those guys those those who just had a hot day but it seems like every time you go out there it might be a threat for five bat to ball you like to make some contact and put the ball in play and I think the batting average is showing that this year is that your uh is that your philosophy when you're getting in there let's put it in play and see if good things happen um yeah not necessarily it's more so just um you know hammering fastballs and not chasing you know forcing guys into the zone and not missing good pitches to hit um you know i'm not trying to you know just put the ball in play it's more so just if i do what i can do and and not chase and really force a guy into the middle of the zone a lot of contact's going to come out of that so um, i think it's a byproduct of what i'm trying to do approach wise a really pretty quick progression to double a for you as well starting off with a great season with the eugene emeralds putting up great numbers what's it been like to come up to double a and how have you seen the change in the baseball yeah, I mean, obviously the baseball's better as you move up. Um, you know, the stuff's pretty much the same uh, from high to double A. You know, you get, you get to a certain point in minor league baseball, and, you know, everyone can throw 96 miles an hour. Everyone's got 18 inches of hop on their fastball. Uh, but the biggest difference here is I, I think guys are uh, more concerned about you doing damage and less concerned about walking you. You know, you get in, in high A, it was very difficult for me to walk because guys were just constantly pounding the zone and attacking me and attacking me, and, you know, that – it's a lot easier to put up power numbers when you're getting fastballs a hit, whereas here it's easier for me, for me to walk because I'm not, you know, they're trying to nibble a little bit more here. So it's uh, just a different type of baseball, I would say. You know, it's a little more aggressive in high A, and, and here it's a little bit more of a chess game. When we were talking with Andy Thomas previously this season, his mantra was that he wants to get on base no matter how, whether it's a walk, a base hit, getting plunked by a baseball, whatever it is. Do you take a similar approach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really like to walk. Um, obviously, on-base percentage is extremely important, especially in today's game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially, you know, I'm a, I'm a leadoff guy for, for a lot of teams. On this team, I've been leading off a lot as well, and my job is to lead off guys to get on base. So if I can get on base two or three times in a night, that's a success, successful day for me. As we get to this midpoint of the season, uh, obviously this is your first full year at the professional ranks with this long season. How are you feeling? How's the, the toll of this every playing every day, uh, you know, having games every day? And uh, and the the six months of baseball, how have you felt about all that this year? Uh, surprisingly, pretty good. Um, you know, I went into this year. Um, I think I really did a good job mentally preparing myself to play this many games in a row. Um, I've been around a lot of guys who have played two, three, four in their fourth professional season of uh, you know in pro ball, and they've kind of prepped me on what a full season like this is like. Um, so yeah, I, f- I feel pretty good physically, um, uh, mentally doing well is, you know, doing pretty good. You know, you, you start to get into a groove of, you know, once you play this many games in a row, of, you kind of just wake up and go to the field every day and repeat. Um, so yeah, it's, you, you kind of settle into a little groove and yeah, I feel pretty good. 
I know college usually it's maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday midweek and then three games over the weekend most of the time. You start getting into uh, tournament time and you're kind of bouncing all over the place with a lot of uncertainty. But uh, I know some of the summer leagues maybe have a little bit closer to a, to a uh, professional type of schedule. Did you get involved in any of those summer leagues to get a chance to get a little preview of that? Yeah, I played the Northwoods League my freshman summer. Um, and, you know, in terms of how much it sucks, it's <laughs> it blows us out of the water. Um you know, you play in, it's, it's like the old uh, professional schedule where you play three game sets, but you know, in that league, you're sharing three guys to one room with one bed, um, sharing beds with guys and, you know, you're not getting paid. Um, so it's, it's definitely more of a grind in that league than out here. So again, I've had some experience with something that's, you know, that really, really sucks that um, makes this, you know, cake. Yeah, I know that we used to always say the Northwoods League was the one collegiate summer league that kind of gave guys a taste of what life was going to be like in pro baseball. A little better on the pro side, but where you were playing every day, rare rare off days, you're playing three games and then traveling, traveling through the night, and you're getting there. You don't have to do that much more in professional baseball these days, but like guys who played on the Cape, you know, they're, they're traveling 10 minutes away and stuff like that. So uh, the, the new structure seems like it's, we're now a couple of years into this, it seems like it's very popular with the players. The Monday travel days, for the most part, very rarely do you have to travel overnight. I know we got one coming up after the Reading series, and we have one in Binghamton, but uh, you think that that's a, a big positive for the players and y'all's, y'all's health and development? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge. I mean, you know, minor league baseball, uh, the travel is done by bus, um, and it absolutely helps you recover. Um, you know, was, if I had to play a three-game set, travel overnight, not get any sleep on a bus, and then play the next day, I'm not going to play as well as I can versus, you know, out here, it's you're sleeping in a bed every night. Um, you always have a chance to get eight hours of sleep. So it's it's absolutely better for the players health-wise, I think performance-wise, all that stuff. And um, if that's what Major League Baseball was looking for when they changed that schedule, and that's what they got out of it. How has everything been feeling after you came off the injured list? Good. You know, it's uh, oblique injuries are a little, you know, they're kind of tough. Um, but with that being said, the trainers here have done a great job, and um, it's held up very well for, um, you know, I was able to get back faster than we expected to. So um, it's uh, been been pretty positive. Let's go back a little ways and kind of talk through a little bit of your journey. Not not, not terribly as in depth. You've you've told this. You've told the whole story a few times in a few different places. But I want to go back to like growing up, baseball. Uh, obviously, the sport that you've ended up in. Were there any other sports that you played? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer. Um, I was super small as a kid, so um, I wanted to play football. Mom wouldn't let me do that. Um, wasn't tall enough to play basketball. Um, but yeah, I played soccer all growing up, and, and then got to high school and kind of had to pick one. And you know, I was better at baseball and I like baseball more so I ended up sticking with baseball. Well how tall were you in the beginning of your high school years? I entered high school at four foot ten inches. So just a late growth spurt? Yeah and it was I mean I, I grew up there was actually a point when I was a really young kid that um, we thought there might actually be a growth issue and I had to go into a doctor and see if maybe I needed to get like HGH or something um, and I went in, they're like, nope, like his growth plates are all good. Like he's just going to grow late. He'll probably hit a growth spurt mid high school. So yeah, I was just small growing up. And then like midway through my junior year, senior year, I grew probably five or six inches. I know sometimes when I'm talking to like basketball players who grew late, um, obviously not quite at the extreme where you're at, but they, you know, because they were so much smaller, they learned and that more athletic skill set. they kind of, uh, 
by the time they got into the size that they were going to be, they had had to overcome so much because of being so much smaller that it actually helped them out in the long run. Do you think that that's something that by the time that you got to the size you ended up being because you had to overcompensate a little bit before that it's made you a better ball player in the long run? Definitely, yeah. I mean, all growing up, in order for me to hit a ball out of the infield, I had to barrel a ball. Um, if I didn't barrel it, it was it was not getting by anyone. So um, it made the game a lot harder for me than it was for other kids. But in turn, it kind of, you know, taught me how to deal with failure a little bit. Um, and it, you know, forced me to be perfect. I'd go into the cages every day and I'd hold myself to a standard that other kids weren't holding themselves to uh, because I had to hold myself to that standard. And, you know, you get to pro- professional baseball and everyone's really good and that's the standard you have to maintain. Um, so, yeah, I, I've my entire life had to hold myself to a super high standard to be competitive. And then when I grew, that standard didn't change. So it, it really helped me out long term. What was it about Corvallis that drew you to play at Oregon State? Uh, it seemed like it was uh, kind of a dream spot to land. Yeah, actually, uh, funny enough, I, I, looking back, there's another school, another school that I would have uh, chosen to go to. But at the time, I went there because it was my only offer. Um, they offered me a walk-on spot, and it was actually, um, I don't think he'll admit this, but I think it was kind of a favor of one of my coaches in, in high school that really thought I was going to be a good player, and he ended up calling um, – one of the coaches there and said, Hey, I got a guy for you. I think he's been really good. And Oregon State ended up letting me walk on. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's why I went there. It's because it's my only offer. But looking back, like, I'm really glad it was Oregon State. You and I had a good conversation the other day about switch hitting and how you had that as a young age. And, you know, the way that you have approached the game now as a primary left handed hitter, did you, when was that? Uh, time in your life that you decided to stop switch hitting yeah so I'm actually a natural right-handed hitter Um, I grew up my entire life hitting right-handed and I was 11 years old I had a coach who said hey man you're pretty fast Uh, you're gonna get an extra two steps out of the box if you hit left-handed like why don't you just try switch hitting Um, and I'm right-eye dominant I used to snowboard in high school and I was a goofy-footed snowboarder Um, so it kind of made sense that I would probably end up being a better left-handed hitter than right-handed hitter um, so, you know, I played my whole high school career. I switch hit. I got to my freshman year in college, um, and I was putting hitting about 60, 70 points higher left-handed than I was right-handed in the fall ball scrimmages. And one of my coaches was like, hey, like, why don't you just try going left-on-left left for one of these scrimmages? If it doesn't work out, if it doesn't feel good, like, we can keep you going switch hitting. There's no problem with it. But, you know, if it's not a problem, you might as well hit from your better side. And I ended up going three for three in that fall ball scrimmage. So, um that was that that's the last time I ever picked up a bat right-handed yeah. seriously <laughs> so you never have swung right-handed since then I mean obviously just messing around you know sure. in the offseason and stuff I've swung in like flips and stuff but yeah in game and seriously trying to work on things yeah since my freshman year of college I had not that's fascinating man yeah. and the ups and downs that you had throughout your college career everything really seemed to come together especially last year and got you into a good position to advance on into pro ball. Uh, was that something that was on your radar coming into these last couple of years, or were you just trying to say, I just want to keep playing? Yeah, I mean, my goal my whole life was to get to professional baseball. Um, and I, when I entered Oregon State, it, it was the same thing. You know, I, I wasn't there to just be on the team and be a walk-on. I, I was there to, you know, be a, a great player and get drafted. Um, <clears throat> you know, the first couple of years, they were rough. Um, same thing, like I just hadn't developed as a player yet um, and then really figured out my swing a little bit uh, my junior year and, and kind of went from there. But, yeah, professional baseball was always my radar, and that was always my goal was to put up numbers that would get me to professional baseball. When the Giants selected you in the draft, 
was was that a team that was was on your radar for one and two? Uh, how did you feel about this kind of culmination of all this and advancing that the next step and in getting into professional baseball? Yeah, actually, the Giants were not on my radar. Um, I had one probably fifteen minute phone call with a scout um, after the season ended my senior year. Um, whereas other teams were having me do like zoom zoom calls with the front office and you know all like some more intense things and surveys and all this stuff um giants was just one phone call and that was it so there were about 10 teams that i thought were um you know i could have gone anywhere um between those 10 teams and the giants weren't one of those teams um and then draft day comes along and my agent calls me and said hey giants want you eighth eighth round are you in i was like yeah absolutely like you know, um, I was super excited to be um, here. You know, I grew up, sit, saw Giants games. You know, I grew up seeing the World Series teams in 10, 12, and 14, how electric it gets there. And, you know, it was super exciting that they were the team that drafted me, but they weren't on my radar at all. Were there any players from that three-year, five, uh, three World Series, five-year stretch that stood out to you or guys that you liked from that time? Yeah, I mean, just watching Buster Posey and what he did, you know, throughout his career, he's a, you know, a Hall of Famer. Um, but, yeah, just – watching that team and, and the way that it almost felt like they didn't really have any superstars in that team. They were just a really, really good team that would just beat guys by being a good team. Um, that's just, it's one of the coolest, you know, at the time I didn't like the Giants. I was an Angels fan. Um, but yeah, it was super cool to watch just a team being a team and, and, and beating guys kind of reminded me of that like 2015 Royals run where they're just being yeah. a team and, and beating guys that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, t- thanks so much for taking some time. Let you finish getting ready for this this game coming up tonight. Uh, you know, congrats on the walk off. That was a lot of fun. Uh, it's always fun to end the game with a walk off, but it's especially fun to see the team win a game after having to come from behind. Uh, that kind of adds a little bit more of a special feeling to it. But yeah, keep it rolling, and uh, we'll catch up again sometime soon. Absolutely appreciate it.